Good morning, Northlands Church. It's such a joy to be here with you today, and I'm going to ask you to please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise and we thank and we lift up your holy name. Lord, we are grateful to be here together in your presence. And Lord, we are looking forward to the message that you have prepared for each of us this morning. Lord, we pray that we would have a sense of your power and your presence and your love as we share here together. And Lord, I pray that every single one of the of the people who listen to this message would feel a special touch of your love for them from the time they have spent before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm so excited to be able to have the chance to share with you this morning. And I want to say, be careful what you say, because about two weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, oh my goodness, I feel like the Lord is preaching me so many sermons and I don't have anybody to preach them to. And lo and behold, about a week later, Greg calls me and says, Susan, I was hoping maybe you could preach for me one of these Sundays coming up. I'm going to be out of town. So um, I, uh, I am thankful to have this chance to share with you some of the things the Lord has been encouraging me with as we've been all facing these new and very difficult and disturbing times. I think we feel it not only for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren and our church and our friends and our work colleagues, but I particularly am engaging often on Zoom calls with people from Africa and Asia and Europe and South America. And, and everyone, I think, is feeling this disruption that we have all felt in the midst of COVID and all the consequences from that. We've all had changes in work, in church, in school, in sports, in social life. So this message of living beyond our comfort zone is one that I just feel like the Lord has been preaching to me, and I'm excited to be able to share with all of you. And I think that um, in the midst of all of these, these struggles, um, we've seen that um, statistics particularly in our country are quite disturbing. Some of you know that I work at the CDC, so I'm aware of data. But the uh, rates of depression have uh, about tripled, of anxiety have about tripled. Uh, suicide um, ideation is up to 10%. Loneliness is increasing. So with all of these challenges in our country and in the world, there's a real opportunity for us to be voices of hope. So I know Greg has been preaching this and others have been preaching this sermon series on the anchors for the soul. And I'm, I'm just uh, going to extend that a little bit with some personal examples and some real invitations from the Lord to us to think about like, what does it mean to be living beyond our comfort zone every day with Jesus as the anchor for our soul? So I'll start with telling a little story. One of our sons lives and works um, in San Francisco for Google. And about a month ago, we were talking with him on the phone and asked him how he was doing. And he said, uh, this is the son who is usually the um, the essence of joy. He just walks joy into a room. And we have a couple that way, but this is one of them. And he said, I am really not doing well. And so when I asked why, he said, I just feel a little bit like I'm losing my bearings, my bearings on my faith and my family. And, you know, it's just so hard being stuck inside all the time. It's really not what I expected in this new job I have. I expected to be traveling. I expected to be at the office and learning from all the people who can teach me everything I need to know with this new job because I don't know how to do it since it's new, but nobody's really available. And it was just really a hard time for him. 
And um, I talked with them repeat, you know, over the next couple of weeks and not um, long after that, probably three weeks later, uh, we were talking and there had definitely been a change in his facial expression and his voice tone had that joy back. And I asked him, um, like, I'm noticing a change. What do you think has helped you? And he was talking about uh, being able to spend more time reading the scriptures and with the Lord and journaling and just thinking. And he said he had that all of that had helped him realize two things, who I am is enough and what I have is enough. And I think that's a message the Lord is wanting to emphasize uh, for us this morning. And I'm going to share a little bit from Luke 9. And Jesus's extraordinary advice in Luke 9 is quite simple, and it's four different phrases, and that's what I'm going to share with you today and give some examples of how real they have become for me in the context of COVID. The first is take nothing, give something, lose everything, and do anything. So you might think, oh, Susan, that doesn't sound so inviting, but I'm promising you, if you just uh, bear with me and stay with me, you will see that actually it is a quite inviting strategy for us living well uh, in this time of every one of us being beyond our comfort zones. So first of all, um, when does Jesus say take nothing? Well, in the very beginning, verse 2, Jesus uh, says in, uh, again, Luke 9, chapter 2, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not two tunics, and whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. It's a little bit like what our son was saying to me. Um, I have, or, or um, uh, excuse me, let me, uh, uh, who I am is enough. That expression, who I am is enough. And so when Jesus was telling them, I've given you the kingdom of God within you, and I've given you my power to be an instrument of my comfort and healing for others, that is what I'm wanting you to take, what's inside, not the things that are outside. So as a practical example of this, one of the things Brian and I've been trying to do is um, go visit friends or have friends come over to our house, small groups of them, one or two at a time, to honor this need to be a little bit more distant. And about uh, three weeks ago, we were going over to visit some friends. And right as we were walking out the door, I thought, oh my goodness, I don't have anything to take for dinner. But um, since we're trying to stay out of any place, including grocery stores, any more than we have to, I thought, well, I don't really want to stop and get anything. And then I thought, well, um, I'll cut some flowers out of the yard. And then I thought, well, you know, there's a book I have the Lord has really been speaking me to me through. And it's this book called Don't Give Up. And I thought, I'll just take it. Who knows? Um, maybe there will be some way to encourage some of them, you know, someone in some way by having that with me. And I did sense the Holy Spirit just nudging me. Um, you don't have anything to take. Who you are is enough, but take this because I've been speaking to you through it. So we walk in the door and lo and behold, um, the wife comes and says, oh, can we sit down and talk? I have been struggling so much. I am riddled with anxiety. Work is so hard. I just don't know how to get rid of it. 
do you have anything that you could share with me about it? And what was amazing is one of the parts of the book that I most loved talked about anxiety and 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And I marked things that I like, so I had it marked and I was able to open that book um, and turn it exactly to the part that talks about anxiety. And the emphasis in that book is that when, it's, when Jesus tells us, cast all our cares upon him, it's not like casting a fishing, you know, a fishing line and then reeling it back in. It's, uh, it's like the word cast means, means transfer the weight. So this idea of transferring the weight of all of our anxiety onto the Lord is what he's really inviting us to do. And as, as we talked about that, she, you could just see she, she was feeling lightened already. And we had some time to pray that the Lord would really help her to be able to transfer all the anxiety over him. Onto, over onto him. So this this idea of um, what we who we are is enough because Jesus has given us all power and authority and he has given us the truths of the kingdom of our heavenly father in our hearts and the ability to carry his healing and his hope to people that we're spending time with. Who we are is enough. Um, and so then let's go on to the next little lesson out of Luke 9, give something. Go on down to verse uh, verses 12 and following. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And as a mother of 11 children and someone who's worked full, who are all grown now, now 10 grandchildren, but, um, and I've worked full time during most of that time, definitely I have been stretched a lot. And a lot of people have asked me, um, well, like, how do you live that way? And um I think about maybe like 10 years ago, I came to this realization that I can just start every day with my little loaves and fish and be thankful that the Lord can do something with them and he will multiply them as I go. So I love this passage. It's the only miracle that is cited in all four gospels. But again, give something, you will hear it loud and clear. The 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away to find lodging and get provisions, for we are in a desolate place here. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, and there are about 5,000 men. So Jesus takes, has them give him what they have, and he does not care at all about what you don't have or what I don't have in this time of COVID in terms of our ability to give or not to give or to encourage or not to encourage. Whatever little bit we have is enough for the Lord to use. So he takes these loaves and fishes, Jesus does. He blesses them. He's thankful for them. So I'm going to be thankful for them too. He breaks, he, he breaks them and then gives them back to the disciples to give to this crowd. And afterwards, everyone is satisfied. They were all satisfied and 12 baskets were left. So again, this other idea that our son was sharing with me, what we have is enough. Um, I've been particularly asking the Lord to send us someone that we didn't know, kind of like those 5,000 people in the crowd, they didn't know. Send us someone we don't know who is lonely, just one person that we could reach out to or someone who would really enjoy having a friend. 
And lo and behold, um, I had someone call me and say, you know, I've met this young woman. She's about 30 years old. She was adopted from Russia. She's moved here. She doesn't know anyone else and never has really been close to any family who has any um, young adult children adopted from Russia. And I know you do. Could we come over? So um, this friend's name is Allie, and she uh, came over to dinner, and we had the most marvelous time with her. A couple of our um, older adopted kids were home and at dinner as well. And uh, after she after she left, we saw her again about a week later, and she was saying, you know, the night I, after I was at your house, I had this dream, and I dreamed like like you and your husband were were becoming like family to me. And, you know, sometimes the Lord does speak to us through dreams, and I thanked her for sharing it, and I stored it up in my heart to pray, well, Lord, like if there, if that is something you're intending, we want to be sensitive to it. And so uh, about a couple of weeks later, we decided, you know, we were going to go on a um, social distancing family vacation. And we really felt like uh, it would be good. We would enjoy inviting Allie to go with us. She had missed being able to go home um, up north to be with her family because they had had to cancel their family get together due to COVID. And um, we just had a wonderful time with her. So I, I loved how um, I had asked the Lord, Lord, will you help us have just give something to someone who is needing a friend or needing fellowship? And what's the, the end part of that story is uh, we've become so close, our family and hers, that a lot of times on Saturday night, she'll call us, she'll come over after work and spend the night in her room upstairs. And she worships with us at home in our living room a lot of times on Sunday. Who knows, maybe this Sunday she'll, she'll be there as well. But again, this idea idea of, I would just encourage you to pray that if you need someone to reach out to you, that you just call and tell someone that uh, you know, or if there's someone you could reach out to, it could be a real blessing to them and to you. So then we'll go on to the next little bit of advice Jesus gives us as we're trying to live beyond this comfort zone. And this is a little more extreme. If you'll notice, everything that he goes through, first of all, take nothing. Well, you still have everything that's yours at home. You just don't take it. And the next one, give something. Well, you know, you do need to give. You need to share what you have. But then now it's lose everything. So Jesus says in Luke 9, verses 23 to 25, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits or loses himself? And some of the other um, translations, some of the other versions of this in the other gospels say uh, gains or forfeits his, his soul. But again, Whoever, whenever we are willing to lose everything, if you're losing our life, that's pretty much everything we have uh, for the Lord's sake, can be sure that we will save it and we will actually gain more than we lose. Uh, and it's just something that I've been so sure of, and it's become more real to me in this time of COVID that we are all struggling with. So I'll also tell you a little story about that. And I think, you know, who I am is enough, but the and what uh, what Jesus has is enough. But um, this is who Jesus is is more. 
so I'm going to tell the example of a friend of ours named Anton. And Anton is a faith leader in Kyrgyzstan. He actually is the leader of the Kyrgyzstan Without Orphans group. And I know some of you are aware that um, my husband and I and Greg and Michelle and a number of other people at our church have been involved in this Global World Without Orphans ministry. But in a lot of parts of the world, if you're sick and you think you might have coronavirus, the hospitals are full. And when the hospitals are full, in some countries, there are uh, places called isolation centers that can take people, and sometimes those are full. And that happened in Kyrgyzstan at the height of the coronavirus um, pandemic. So the Christians were taking oxygen containers around from house to house to people who were sick so that they would have some way to breathe when they got short of breath. Well, so like imagine the risk that some of the people that were ministering were putting themselves in by taking those oxygen tank containers to people who were sick. And no matter how safely they would try to do it with masks and with gloves or washing their hands, some of them have ended up catching COVID from the very people they were trying to serve. And this is what happened to our friend Anton. And he, he ended up getting it pretty getting a pretty bad case of it and um, ended up he ended up being on needing oxygen and needing one of the other pastors to bring him oxygen then his wife ended up getting it and getting a pretty serious case of it and she also needed oxygen and they were really worried about her lungs so we're really we're really thankful that they are on the mend and heading out of that but in the middle of it all someone crashed into a drunk person crashed into his car um, and and uh, certainly badly damaged it. So here he is dealing with all of this. And in the middle of it, one of their young daughters, who's about 10, in fact, probably the most rebellious of all their ch- daughters, uh, an adop- adopted young daughter, accepted the Lord and came to faith. So it was just amazing. I've been keeping in close touch with him and seeing how their family's doing and praying for him and just trying to encourage him. So he was so encouraged that even in the middle of all that, the Lord had preserved their health and is now there on the mend and they're close to being healed of the worst part of coronavirus and coming out of it. Their young daughter has come to faith. And when I asked him, so like, what do you think is the main conclusion you are drawing from from the last couple weeks? I loved his answer. He said, well, I would think it's those verses from 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verses 16 to 18 that say, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day after day for or because momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. So this who Jesus is is more has, was just so real to him. And, you know, I'm believing that that's a testimony for, for some of us today as well. If he can be that real and that much of a blessing to Anton in the middle of everything he's gone through, this certainly can be the case for us. And I'll go on and I'll share a personal example, too. About three weeks ago, I got a call 
from a good friend in Colombia, South America, where my husband and I served as missionaries for about seven years, many years ago. And I learned that one of the closest friends that we had there, who had actually come to faith in our home through a Bible study we were leading, had a very serious case of coronavirus, and she was getting ready to be admitted to the intensive care unit in Colombia. And my good friend um, asked me, will you please, we've got to be praying for her. So uh, as I was praying, we were praying for her over several days, but by the third day after I got that call, I got a call from her young daughter, who's about 30. And um, because I was so close to their family, they, the, her son and daughter still call me Aunt Susan, like Tia Susana, like Tia Susana, no, no te imaginas lo que pasó. Like you can't imagine what happened. My mother has just died. And um, she was just sobbing. And so in the, in the middle of all of this, the amazing thing is we learned, as we reached out more to um, Marcela, my our friend Claribel's daughter, and to Felipe, um, Claribel's son, what we saw and what we understood is even though we were really close friends 30 years ago and we've kept uh, in pretty close contact over the years, I was not aware that as she had retired, she had been just as part of her life sharing about the Lord's love with friends and family in her community that she had not connected with for many years. So her testimony was continuing. And this eternal weight of glory that she has stepped into, she was trying to help invite other people into it while she had the chance. And what also is amazing is it never occurred to me 30 years ago when we were having lunch in her home or having supper in her home or she was at Bible study at our house with her five-year-old and seven-year-old, that some of that sharing the gospel with them could be seeds of faith that would blossom in them and still be alive 30 years later when they most needed it, when they lost their mother because of coronavirus. And it also really struck me that um, she was one of the most skeptical and argumentative people that I have ever shared the gospel with. And no amount of um, the thought of faith could convince her but it was the love of the Lord and that Aslan the lion pursuing her that convinced her as he kept answering ridiculously difficult prayers that no one could about things no one but the Lord could have fixed for her. So it's made me think about like, who could I be really sharing the gospel with and ministering today that in 30 years because of my ministry to them today, they may be walking with the Lord or walking into the kingdom so I just want to uh, share that I'm, I'm excited about that, and I, I think we can all be excited about it, and we can see that we have the chance to build into eternity for others in addition to the Lord building into eternity for us. Again, who Jesus is is more than anything that we give up. And so then the last thing is that I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me about is this idea of do anything. Now, 
Um, I read through the Bible every year. I've been doing it for 12 years. You read it using my same reading plan, which I love. I'll be happy to share it with it if you share it with you if you want it. And for about the past five years, every time I get on Luke to Luke 9, I get pretty excited and start talking at him about, I can't believe this. This is amazing. You know, the blessings of take nothing, um, give something lose everything. I want to live that kind of life. But this year, um, the Lord added to me this fourth part, do anything he tells you. And so in Luke 9, it, close to the end, he starts talking about the transfiguration. Luke 9 verses 28 forward. Now, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. Don't you wish you could have seen it? I just always just think, I'm thinking, I cannot wait to see that. Um, and his clothing became dazzling white. And a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. Now, this is different than what the father says at the baptism. When Jesus is baptized, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But here he says, this is my beloved son. Listen carefully to all he has to say. And um, I believe it so much of this, um, all he has to say is the Lord is inviting us to live with an open hand and not only be willing to lose everything, but be willing to do anything he asks us to do. And I'll, I'm going to move towards close to closing with this last example that's pretty precious to me. Um, this example that I think illustrates that when, when we are willing to do anything that he is asking us to, what we realize is that what Jesus has is more. So I'm opening my hand, willing to lose everything and drop it. But as I'm opening it, he's filling it with so much more than I'm ever giving up. And um, I, I'm really seeing this lately through, we have, again, I, I think I mentioned 11 children and um, all of them are grand. And our 10th grandchild was just born on August 5th. Uh, little baby Michael, that mean, his name means angel. And he was actually born exceptionally sick. He was born with um muscle problems, weak muscles, um, breathing problems. Eat, he couldn't eat, couldn't um, take a bottle. They were worried about whether there um, might be some problems in his brain and in his heart. So like basically most of the body systems, the doctors were really worried about. And so we were here. He was, uh, our daughter and son-in-law live in Tennessee. So uh, the night that he was born, um, you know, our daughter was still in the hospital and I called uh, her husband, Charles, and I said, you know, Charles, I just want to check on you. I know Lana's in the hospital. I know you're home there by yourself. And I just wonder, how are you doing? And he sounded so sad, which is normal. And he said, I'm just wondering what God is trying to teach me. And of course, I, I could hear that he was feeling like there was something bad or negative about him that God was trying to fix through this trial, which is not at all the way the Lord is wanting us to receive any trials that we're having. And um, 
I, I said, like, Charles, I, like, I don't think that's the right question. I, I think the right question is, like, how does God want to help me trust him and bless me and love me and help my little boy in this hard situation I'm in? And, like, I think that's what we need to be praying about. And, and he goes, well, maybe you're right. And I said, well, can I pray about that for you now? So I did. And then, um, so then the next morning, I was still just concerned for him. I knew he was going to the hospital early. I called him and, um, and I asked him, um, I just want to see, like, how are you doing? And do you know that by the very next morning, he had absolutely changed? And um, his voice had that little, you know, lilt in it again. And I said, uh, Charles, you sound like you're doing so well. What's different? And he said, God talked to me. And I said, oh, well, like, that's pretty cool. What did he say? And he said, not much. He just said, it is going to be okay. And then I just kind of saw this picture of my little boy running around our living room and and playing on the couch. And so over the next three weeks, he kept hearing all those bad things from the doctors, even though little by little, his little boy and and our little grandson has been getting a lot better. He's eating, he's uh, breathing fine, his heart is doing fine, his brain is doing fine. We're working on his muscle tone. But he said he would just keep remembering what the Lord said. So uh, in closing, I want to give you uh, this little summary and a benediction. And the summary is we have for this two sides of the coin. We have two sides of the coin that we can choose from, either the ends God we trust side or the other side that is not the ends God we trust side. Every bit of money that we have has one side of it that says in God we trust. And I think the in God we trust side is what we want. And um, the message is take nothing because who you are is enough. Give something because what you have is enough. Lose everything because who Jesus is is more. And do anything he asks you because what Jesus has is more. And um, the benediction is, uh, there. there is the refrain from a simple song that Sean Curran has recently written in the middle of all of these trying times. I don't think it's published, but if you just uh, search for it, it's on his Facebook page. And I absolutely love it. And it's the blessing I'm praying over you all. And I was praying over you this morning and everyone who hears this message. And I dare you to look it up, Sean Curran. And if you just write down the first two lines, you can find it by Googling those two lines. I will trust you in the famine. I will bless you in the feast. When I'm standing in your victory or when I'm on my knees. I will praise you in the rising and in the setting sun. You're going to catch me singing when the springtime comes. Because you've been God for a long time. You're the final word. You're the finish line. And then God told Sean Curran exactly what he told my son-in-law. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Because you've been God for a long time. I will trust you in the famine. I will bless you in the feast. So Lord, we do trust you in the in these times of famine that we have. And we want to trust you that even in the middle of the famine, you can give us a feast in and through and because of you. And Lord, we want to be the kind of people that choose to live with the in God we trust side of the coin 
And Lord, we want to be willing to take nothing, give something, lose everything, and do anything you ask us to do for your glory, Lord, for the building of your kingdom, and for the nourishment of our souls now and for all eternity, and for the blessing of all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.